wow, we got a couple new babies in church. You know that? <laughs> uh, the, the parodies over here and, and, uh, and, 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 and Garrett and Callie there. Man, if you, would you guys stand up so we could see these beautiful babies? Oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey, thank you, man. That's awesome. Hey, boy, is there any more new babies that, that I don't know about? Andrea. Oh, man, Brandon and Andrea. Uh, man, congratulations. Halsebus is two new grandparents. Wow. Oh, I, you know, but you know, any given Sunday here, there's as many children in our children's church as there are adults in this service. Th th that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Oh, man, <laughs> praise God. Uh, well, it's my privilege to receive God's tithes and our offerings this morning, um, and uh, we got some ushers here. And if you're given cash and would like a tax receipt, just lift your hand. They'll, they'll give you an envelope there to get that in. Um, if you're making checks out, why, it's Destiny Church. And, uh, and yeah, there's the address. If you're watching online or on television, why, our address is up there on the screen here. And, and also you can text to give a very convenient way. Um, th that number is there. And, boy, whenever we receive uh, God's tithes and our offerings, I like to stand on a scripture verse. Because, man, it's a big deal we're doing is giving here. But, but, but I was thinking about, uh, you know, Mark 10, 28 through 30. And I just love the way Jesus says this. Um, th th what's going on is, is, is Peter says to Jesus, man, you know, we've given up everything for you. What are we going to get out of this? And Jesus said, I assure you, he said, no one has given anything into the kingdom of God that they won't get a hundred times back as much in this life and eternal life in the world to come. You couldn't have a stronger promise than that. I assure you, he said. So let's take our t God's tithes and our offerings in hand, and, and we'll agree over that on them and speak that over those, okay? Man, in Jesus' name, we just thank you, Father God, for the opportunity to invite you into partnership with us in our lives as we're doing that as we tithe here. And boy, I just, uh, I, I, we just stand on that promise that you made. Everything that's given today, there's going to be at least a hundred times as much come back to each one that's giving. Man, I thank you for that. We take hold of it and receive it in Jesus' name. Thank you that your kingdom is expanding. In fact, it's ever expanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, ushers, you can serve the people here. And I got, I got a few announcements. Uh, oh, we got our family service um, this Wednesday night at 630. Um, children's program here at the church and adults and then of course the youth are over at the at the fitness center um, at, at the church here while we're promptly done by eight so your children can get home uh, for school the next day and and boy it's been real good we've been talking about improving our relationships with each other this will be the uh, man the fifth uh, the fifth uh, session of those uh, seven sessions so this Wednesday night uh, there's prayer every Sunday morning at 9.15 in the mother's room. And there's ladies' prayer Thursday mornings at 10 at the church. Uh, here's another one. Natalie Baker is hosting a ladies' fellowship time at her home in Alexandria on Saturday, November 13th from 9 until noon. So talk to Linda or Natalie and you can get directions to get to her home. Okay, um, um, there's a container in the foyer for collecting items. 
for a variety of ages to fill shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. Um, the deadline for that is going to be November 10th. Um, and if you have any questions, please contact Michelle Shafran or Shar Slack. And there'll be a shoebox packing party on Thursday, November 11th at 6 p.m. at the church. And then just like always, um, after church here, I'm at the back table in the foyer there. If you've got any questions about the church here, and, and if you'd like to give us your, like your phone number, then we can text you uh, when there's something coming up or if there's a change in schedule or if someone requests prayer from the entire church family. So we'd love to have that information. And, and also, if you have any ideas of what we could do to make things better, why just talk to me after service there. But, boy, once again, thank you for so much for being here today. And for you folks online, the best part of our services ahead, Pastor Steve is here bringing the word. Well, it's good to be here. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. Um, it's good to be back and to be able to share the word of God with you. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to open them with me to Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to talk to you this morning about my title is, Who Do You Think You Are? How many of you have heard anybody say that? Who do you think you are? Well, I'm going, to say, I'm going to talk about it in a little different way, with a little bit different uh, voice inflection. Instead of saying, who do you think you are? I want to talk about it like, who do you think you are? So it's uh, because it really matters what you think about you. And um, I know that people can be over, overly obsessed with themselves, and that's, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, and a lot of times what happens is if people are in a lot of pain, they... Um, they, see, they tend to obsess about themselves. But it's, it's wrong to be self-absorbed, but it's not wrong to be self, uh, to have a self-assessment. And uh, what we, the way we, what we think about ourselves is so important because we live out uh, what we think about ourselves. And, you know, I remember, this is kind of a funny story. Want to hear a funny story? So when I was in high school, I was kind of a bad boy. And, uh, you know, I... I, I mean, I wasn't like a real, real bad boy. I mean, nowadays, I probably would be like an average boy. But, but back then, I was kind of a bad boy. I mean, I, I got like 10th grade, I got suspended five times from school. And, you know, so, I mean, it gives you a little bit of an idea of kind of what I was and um, had some, you know, just some behavior problems. And so, you know, my, you know how, how, when you go into a school, you always kind of find your... Um, your peers or whatever. And I, my peers were those that took drugs and, uh, you know, did bad things. You know, that, 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 that was my peers. Well, one day I was walking down the hallway and this cheerleader, I mean, really nice looking girl. I don't know if I even told my wife this story yet, but <clears throat> it just came to me yesterday. I don't know why, but I'm gonna tell you. So this cheerleader comes up to me. She's real, real bubbly and cute and, and happy and she comes up to me, and she comes right next to me, and she goes, hey, how would you like to walk me to my class? And I'm going, okay. And I'm immediately suspicious. And so I walked her to her class, and then she goes, she tells me how I could connect with her at some other time in school, and so I go, okay. And, and so she just kept kind of pursuing me for two weeks, about two weeks. And, um, but see, in my mind... What I thought was, this has got to be some kind of a trick or a joke or because I never the thought that she might be interested in me never crossed my mind. And then I found out later that she liked me. 
But then she had moved on to somebody else. But, but my, my point is, I missed an opportunity. But God saved me because I got the greatest gal in the world. But, but my point is, is that if your self-talk or what, what you say to yourself is bad, you're going to miss a lot of things in this life that God has for you. And so I want to talk to you about identity. And, um, and if I could teach young people anything, you know, if I only had like five things to teach somebody, identity would be one of the things, because identity is how you see yourself. And, and we need to see ourselves as God sees us. See, everybody has an identity. My name is Steve Cornamone. I'm the son of Dan and June Cornamone. I live, I'm pastor of Destiny Church. I live about three miles from here. I mean, that's my natural identity. That's who I am, naturally speaking. But as soon as I go, I'm married to beautiful Trish. I'll get another, because I gave that uh, cheerleader story. I'm going to give another uh, kudos to my wife. I'm married to this beautiful woman, this gorgeous dish here in the front row. I'm married to her. But anyways, um, so that's my natural identity. But when I die, all of that goes away. I mean, people that knew me on earth, they might remember me. But when I get to heaven, my natural identity is, disappears. And the only thing that really matters in heaven is what my, my heavenly identity. That is eternal. So some of, you, some of us, what we, we need to start learning our heavenly identity so that when we get to heaven, we don't got to spend years and decades in school. Heavenly school, figuring out, well, you, you, you didn't know you were this, you didn't know you were this, you didn't know you were this. You know what I mean? So we should learn some of that down here because if, you know, the enemy is so brutal, he will take advantage of what you don't know. How many know that's true? And so the way we see ourselves is so vitally important. And, and so God wants us to see ourselves as he sees us. You know, this table has something happened to it. Somebody, there must be some Pentecostals around here have been jumping on it or something. But. And so uh, our identity, who we are in Christ. You know, I, I heard Bill Johnson say this, or I read it after him. He said, I can't afford to have thoughts in my head about me that God doesn't, think, doesn't think about me. I can't afford, because that's really what, what he's talking about, is we're a, a carnal mind. And so the only way we can know God's thoughts is by, by turning to the scriptures. You know, when I first, I think I said this to you before, the first time I heard somebody talk about identity, I thought, this has got to be a, what, what does this have to do with anything? You know, that's kind of what I thought. What does identity have to do with anything? But then the, the preacher turned over to uh, Luke chapter 4, where it talks about how Jesus was in the, after four, fasting 40 days, he was in the temptation in the wilderness, and the devil came to him, and the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God. Now, if you remember 40 days earlier, when Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the waters, and, and the Bible says the heavens opened, and the Spirit of God descended upon him in bodily shape like a dove, and God said, you are, now listen, this is what God said. This is heaven's assessment. You are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So who is Jesus? God's beloved son in whom he's well pleased. And then 40 days later, the devil goes, if you are the son of God, prove it. Turn this bread in, turn these rocks into bread. And so the idea behind that 
is the, there's more spiritual warfare around identity than probably anything else. Because if the enemy can get you to believe something that's not true about you, he will take you captive. That's why, you know, the Bible tells us that in Christ there's no condemnation. Well, one of the, Satan's greatest tricks is condemnation. Is he, the Bible says in Revelations that he's the accuser of the brethren. You know, if you, if, just think about this. Imagine this for a minute. Let's say I, I was able to plug a cord into your head every night and download what you said to yourself all day. Okay, and then I recorded it. And then I said, let's listen to this back. What's wrong with you, you stupid idiot? You know, you loser. <laughs> I mean, why did you say that? You're so inept. You're so this. Right? And I mean, how, how, un, how unedifying would that be? It would be horrible. I mean, and, and that's why it's so important for you to, be, to, to think the thoughts of God and your self-talk to be in line with Scripture. So the enemy comes to you and say, you, you, you failed in the past. You're such a loser. And you need to be able to say to yourself, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all sin. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus, in Jesus Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. My past is over with. My future is bright. My present is secure. Amen? So our self-talk is so important. See, if we... if, if if, he can, if Satan can hold us in a perpetual prison of shame and dysfunction, our life will be tormented. Think about those two. If he can hold us in a perpetual state of shame and dysfunction. See, there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. I am deeply flawed. There's something deeply... If, you, if you're sitting here this morning, you go, I am deeply flawed. There's something deeply wrong with me. Your self-talk stinks. Let me just say that. If you feel inferior to everybody, your self-talk isn't good. Right? So shame says, or guilt says, I did something wrong. Shame says, I am something wrong. Guilt says, I made a mistake. Shame says, I am a mistake. Amen? And so what God wants to do, and, 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 and what, when God speaks to us, he specifically wants to deliver us from self-talk. I mean, God gives you a, a kind of a different picture of self-talk. You know, it's, you know it's one, it's one of the things that's really interesting is, you know, when America goes into a country to liberate them, how many, how many kind of kind of witness some of that, you know, I mean, let's not give specifics, but let's just say generally, they'll go into a country to liberate the people in that country. And we're just thinking, this is great. You've been living under tyranny. You've been living under bondage. And we're going we're gonna to bring uh, the might of the United States military, and we're going to deliver you from this tyranny and this injustice and this oppression. It's going to be awesome. But then what happens is we do that and, and everybody kind of walks around like they don't know what to do with themselves. In fact, and then eventually what they do is they go back into bondage. And we go, what's wrong with you? Don't you love freedom? We love freedom because we're conditioned for freedom. 
But they are conditioned for bondage. And their ability to make their own decisions for themselves and to live in freedom, they're incapable of because their self-talk is so bad. They don't know what to do. How many know what I mean? You know, there's a, there's a verse, and this is what I want to go to here, in Numbers chapter 13. If you have your Bibles, you could open it to there. I'm probably jumping ahead, but maybe the sermon will be shorter. Probably not. But in Numbers chapter 13, we have a story here <clears throat> where the children of Israel, they have left Egypt. And I mean, if you just stop and think about what God did, because these guys have been slaves for a long time. And slavery is, is not just outwardly, outward oppression. Slavery is a lot of inward type stuff. It's a lot of mental stuff. You know, have you ever thought about this? Why, you know, we work with some ladies sometimes that are in abusive relationships. And, uh, and we'll go, we'll go, I mean, he's hitting you. He, he could kill you. You need to get out of there and that guy needs to get some help. This is not good. How many know what I mean? And every once in a while, I remember this one time we worked with this lady and, and she finally, I mean, I mean, this guy is like a devil incarnate. He'd been beating her and, and, and hitting her and doing all this stuff. And then he's sorry afterwards. But, but so finally we got, her, we got her to leave. And we then give, you know, give this guy some opportunity to get some help. You know what? She went back to him. And we're like, what the, is, you, you don't swear, I don't swear. But that, you know, I get so close at that point. What the blank is wrong with you? But because they're conditioned for bondage, they don't know what to do with freedom. And they go back into bondage. And there's a lot of things, you know, what happens is the way we think about ourselves if you think certain thoughts about yourself constantly, let's say, you're, let's say you struggle with depression or anxiety. If you think certain thoughts about yourself, what happens is your mind goes there right away. It's like those, the, we, the Bible calls them strongholds. Uh, in other, I don't, I don't know, medical type people would call them, they're almost like highways in the brain. And what happens is it's so easy for you to go there. Like sometimes you ever try to compliment somebody that doesn't like themselves? You go, hey man, great job. Oh, no, no, no. They, you know, it's like um, I was listening to this speaker and he was talking about, um, you know, they, they, they would do conferences together, a bunch of speakers together. And, uh, and then they would, um, you know, they, after, the, after the conference is over, they would assess how did the conference go. And so he says, inevitably, is that a word, inevitably? What will happen is somebody will come along, you'll say, hey, great job, you got a standing ovation. Oh, I did a lousy job. You did a lousy job, you got a standing ovation. I didn't get a standing ovation. But it's like they can't receive a compliment because in their mind, their self-talk is so bad. How many can see what I'm saying? And so that's why it's so important. I mean, Obviously, a person can have an over-exaggerated opinion of himself. You know what I mean? You know, it's like, um, it's like I, think, I think I can, 
if it's like if I thought I had a voice like, uh, what, what's one of those opera guys? What is it? Pavarotti. If I thought I had a voice like Pavarotti, you know, everybody's like, my God, stop. The plants are dying. The squirrels are flipping over on their back outside. Stop, right? See, I mean, that, in that sense, I'm having, I'm having an over-exaggerated opinion of my own importance. You know, I, <clears throat> I had a friend that asked me to speak someplace, and he goes, what, what do you want to be called? What, what's your title? I said, my title is servant. He goes, no, no, no. He wanted to give me a, the apostle title. I said, listen, I'm not an apostle. I've done some apostolic work, but I'm not an apostle. So just don't do that. Maybe that's a, brain, a freeway in my brain. I don't know. But, but the point is, is, is healthy people have a healthy perspective of themselves. You know what? It's, what's interesting is your self-talk. I I'm I'm, haven't got to my sermon yet. Your self-talk is almost always believed by you. And it's almost never accurate. I'm going to say that again. Your self-talk is almost always believed. You believe it, but it's almost never accurate. But you believe it because you believe that you wouldn't lie to you. And that's why if I come up to you and say, man, you did a great job. Oh, no, 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 no. I go, yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. You can't even receive. Now, now I don't like flattery. And somebody comes up and says, you're the greatest preacher in the whole world. Well, I know I'm not. I can hold people's attention for about 45 minutes. I know that. Or most people's attention for 45 minutes. But, but our self-talk is so vitally important to have. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, it says, we're not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But, but then he says, but to think soberly. So it's important to think soberly. You know, some of us, our, our sense of value and worth is so low. And because of that, we miss opportunities that God has for us. Because you go, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. I could never do that. How do you know? You see what I'm saying? And so when you look, go, I was going to the children of Israel. When you look at the children of Israel, I mean, I, I often wonder why, why couldn't God get them out of Egypt and, I mean, do, do this a whole, <clears throat> a whole different way. I mean, come on, why all the plagues and why all, and then bring them out into the wilderness and all these signs and wonders and the Red Sea opening up. Why couldn't God had boats built? Or, you, you know what I mean? There's the different ways but I think what God was trying to do is I think he was trying to deliver them from a mentality of slaves. Because I can't think of a worse thing than to be a slave. I mean, you, can't, you don't decide anything for yourself. Somebody decides for you. Your life is not your own. You can't make your own decision. You don't have any freedom. Somebody's always telling you what to do. Talk about oppression. You live at the whims of somebody else. They can oppress you. They can work you like a dog. They can starve you. I mean, it doesn't matter. I can't think of anything worse. But if, you're, if you lived in that long enough, you would be so conditioned to that. 
And then God goes, I want you to be a warrior. I want you to go kill people. Now, now he wouldn't say that nowadays, but I want you to, I want you to go forth. I want you to give up, get up, and I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak my word. I want you to do exploits. I want you to do great things for me. I want you to lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to go to other nations. All this stuff, and we're going, oh, I can't do that. Right? Because we see ourselves a certain way. And oftentimes, our self-talk causes us to see ourselves as less Everybody say less. Less than God's image of us. So let's look at this with the children of Israel. So that's why I think that God did all these miracles. I mean, I think what has to happen sometimes, I think God's got to, something's got to happen to us, intervene in our lives, where we all of a sudden go, it's so dramatic that we go, something's going on here. You know, like a burning bush. I mean, look at Moses when God came to him in the burning bush, you know, God says, you're going to deliver Israel. I don't know who you're talking to, but, you know, it says that before he went into the wilderness for 40 years, it says that he was might in Acts. It says that Moses was mighty in word and deed. And they say that, you know, that first 40 years, you know, he was Pharaoh's son or grandson adopted, but that he was actually a a mighty general and he, 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 he did a lot of warring and he was very... He had a lot of achievements. And, and then he, you know, he ended up in the wilderness. And then all of a sudden he's in the wilderness and now he, can, he says, I can't even speak. And he's just so broken. And you can imagine just thinking about what he was talking to himself about for 40 years. Every time he looked at a bush and the, and the branches were in an L shape, he goes, loser. <laughs> And he looked at the, looked at the water, looked at himself, loser, you know, pathetic excuse for a human being. You've got to justify your existence. I'll just stay out here with the sheep, Step, stepping in sheep poop. And this is his life. But he's so broken down. But the whole time, what is his true identity? His true identity is you're a deliverer. You're a deliverer of my people. You are somebody that I'm going to bring the greatest nation on earth. I'm going to bring that nation to its knees through your life and through your ministry, through the, the rod of God. I'm going to bring that nation to his knees. And he did not see himself that way at all. You know, it's interesting. One of my favorite stories is the story of Gideon. How many ever heard the story of Gideon? So the, the Midianite, Mennonites, Midianites are oppressing Israel for years. I mean, I don't remember how many years. Maybe it was 20 years. And so it got so bad that they were starting to starve. And so Midian, you know, the way they usually, how do you uh, thresh wheat, is they go up on a hill where the wind is, and then they, they, they used to thresh it out so the wind could blow the chaff away. But the Bible says that Midian was in a wine, hiding in a wine press, threshing out some wheat for fear of the Midians. And it says the angel of the Lord came and sat there. It didn't, it's, it's really a weird the way, way it's worded. It says the angel of the Lord came there and sat down. And then it says Midian's doing this stuff. And then it says the angel of the Lord appeared to him. So it's almost like the angel of the Lord sat there and watched him for a while. And then the angel goes, uh, appears to him. He goes, and he, and th- listen to this comment. This is the angel of the Lord. Hail! 
thou mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. Would you say, would you say that to Gideon at that point? I'd say, buck, 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 buck. I mean, that's what I would say. Oh, thou art a chicken. Thou art scared of thy own shadow. That's what, that's what I would say. But the angel of the Lord says, Oh, thou mighty man of valor. And you know what? He became a mighty man of valor. And you, here's what I, but, but that was such a dramatic thing, a dramatic experience with a dramatic word that made such an impression on him that he went out in his strength with God's help and he delivered Israel out of the hand of the Midianites with 300 people. That's an amazing story. But my point is, is that God said, this is who you are. This is who you are. See, in heaven, you're not going to be Joe and Fred and Hank and Frank or I don't know if any of you have that name. You, you, you have a new name and you have a new identity. But the, what God wants is God wants you to accept that new identity here on this earth. Don't wait to have, go to heaven to accept a new identity. Accept it on, on the earth. When you accept it on the earth, something changes inside of you. When you start accepting God's new identity, the enemy starts to tremble because he knows if you start seeing yourself as God sees you, what will happen? you say, I can do that. I mean, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. You're going to start being like a lion. You'll be walking around, you'll be walking around your house strutting. Rawr. I remember one time I, I read that verse where it says, the Lord will ro roar out of Zion. And I said, we're Zion. You know, the Bible says that we're Zion. The church is Zion. So let's all roar. So, <clears throat> so I, I said that, and I didn't, I'm glad you roared. But. So I was looking around. I mean, I, I, I was preaching. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just kind of talking now, but I was preaching up. I was all lathered up and I was preaching up a storm. And I said, the Lord, let's all roar. And people were just going crazy. And then I saw one lady stand there, sitting there going, roar. <laughs> I wanted to point at her and say, you need to have some different self-talk. <laughs> Amen. But let's turn to Numbers chapter 13. And so I think that's what God was after. God was trying to get that slave mentality out of that first generation. And basically, he never did. And if God doesn't get a slave, sinner, I'm no good, I'm worthless, I'm a bag of bones, I have to try to justify my existence, if God can't get that mentality out of you, you're just going to warm a chair and go, mm-hmm. And, and we need to accept God's new identity, that we're, we're so valuable to God. We're so important to God. He cares about it. But let's look at these guys and, and let's, let's not be them. Okay, so the, in verse uh, 31, uh, Numbers 13, 31. So these are the 12 spies. They go out, spy out the land and, uh, and then they come back and we know the story. These are the 10. It says, but the men who had gone up with him said, because Joshua and Caleb said, we must go up at once. God's with us. We can do it. But the other 10 said, <coughs> the other 10 said, uh, who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land. 
which they had spied out, saying, now listen to this. I want you to get this. This is what happens when your, when your self-talk stinks. Okay? The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that, now listen to this, it devours its inhabitants. How many know it didn't devour its inhabitants? I mean, you're walking along there, and all of a sudden you're walking with a friend, and all of a sudden the land just devours it. How many know that didn't happen? It devours its inhabitants. All the people whom we saw in it were men of great statue. All the people? There are no children? No babies? Everybody was of great statue? Come on! Everybody can't be of great statue. I mean, there might have been some, but they can't all be of great statue. Then we saw the giants, the descendants of Annex came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. So how many can tell that their, their self-talk stunk? It was not doing, they were not doing good. And see, what happens there is God goes, God's full intention was to bring them into the promised land. He fully intended to bring them in, but because of their assessment of themselves, because of their assessment of themselves, God couldn't. But I want you to see how exaggerated their, the, the negativity was. The first thing he says, the people of the land are stronger than we. How do you know they are? You know, up until this point, every battle that the children of Israel had fought, they had won. But they go, the people are stronger than us. How do you know they are? But you're already defeated before you even start. You haven't even tried. You, haven't, I mean, you, could just, you could kidnap one of them, beat them up, and see if you're stronger. I mean, you, you know what I mean? You don't even try. You just make these general statements that all the people are stronger than us. That's a lie. All the people are stronger than us. The land devours its inhabitants. So not only are the people a threat, but the land is a threat. The people we saw were a great statute. All the people, again, like I said, <clears throat> and in our eyes, this is our perception of ourself. It's based on our self-talk. It's based on the essence of who you are is based on your self-talk, what you tell yourself. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. Poor me. I've been going to church that they don't appreciate me here. They don't like me here. Right? That person, look at, look at the way they looked at me. I remember one time, there was a lady came to church. And, you know, we're pretty friendly, I think. I mean, I think I am pretty friendly. I don't know. Maybe, let's not judge me. Most people here are really friendly, I think. Okay? And, uh, and so she was standing in the foyer like this. And I said, well, hey, hi, how are you doing? And I was being friendly. She goes, I've been standing here for 10 minutes and no one said hi to me. I wanted to say, your self-talk stinks, man. <laughs> and I was going to use a different word than stink. It rhymes with puck. <laughs> right? I mean, I, I, I said, come on. you got to get out of this. And so there you think about this, their report is not based on reality. It's not an objective 
picture of what's actually happening. It is a product of their slave mentality. It is a product of their slave mentality. How many things in our lives is a product of our sin mentality? You know, there's a verse in Hebrews. I didn't, I didn't look it up, but there's a verse in Hebrews where it says, um, it says that they should no longer have consciousness of sin, sin consciousness. You know, if you think about this, the verses that we know are usually verses that are based on sin. Like, how many know this verse? For all have and fallen short of the glory of God. Do you know that verse is actually not a whole verse? It's just a phrase that's, that's put in between verses that are talking about God's righteousness. Did you know that? The reason... God had to provide righteousness is because everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But what do we know? We know all the sin verses. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We know all this because our consciousness is, I'm a failure. I'll never amount to anything. I can't, I can't succeed. I've got to be humble because I can't succeed. Well, I, I agree, in yourself you can't. But you're not just by yourself, are you? I mean, you're the, if, we, if we believe God's assessment, our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That means, that means I'm wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. Oh, you're not either. Yes, I am. I mean, I might not feel like it, but that's what the Bible says. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me, that same Spirit will quicken my mortal bodies. And so it's so important for our self-talk. Like I said, like I said, self-talk, <clears throat> self-talk is almost never accurate, but it's always believed by us. And it's almost never accurate, but it's always believed. And, and so what happens is we can actually think ourselves into uh, being disobedient to God because we think we can't do it. How many see what I'm saying? Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to go to another passage of Scripture. Well, Proverbs 23, verse 7, most of us have heard this verse. It says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So, in other words, the the essence of who you are is going to be based on, on, on what you think and what you tell yourself continually on a regular basis. You see, what happened was our thoughts, our self talk becomes the essence of who we are. Our identity is a direct result of how we see ourselves. You can see the children of Israel rejected God's identity and accepted a slave mentality, which was expressed through the words, we were like grasshoppers. You're not a bug. Because what happens is when you see yourself a certain way, you, it's, kind, it's kind of like project. It's like if, if you don't like you, I have a hard time liking you. Why is that? Because you don't like you. If you like you, I'll be sucked in to the, to the what, what do you call it, the, the draft or the suction or whatever of, of your magnetism because you like you. And you should like you. I mean, someone goes, well, I don't know if we're supposed to like, aren't we supposed to hate ourselves? No, that is a dumb thing to say. We're supposed to reject an independent life 
a life that is without God, but we're not supposed to hate ourselves. In fact, the Bible says you, can't, you love others as you love yourself. You don't love yourself, you can't love others. How many see what I'm saying? And so <clears throat> we should all give each other a compliment right now. So if you're sitting by somebody you know, give them a compliment right now. Just say nice teeth or something. <clears throat> So let me try to bring this to a conclusion. I got, uh, I got about four more pages of notes here, but, but I'm not going to go through it all. But, but how many understand what I'm saying? How many are getting the point, what I'm trying to say? Um, no one is? All right, so look at Exodus 19. Here's what God said about the people. These are the ones that they said, we are grasshoppers. Here's what God said about them. Verse 4 through 6, it says, You know how I carried you on eagle wings. This is God talking to the children of Israel, the ones that said they were grasshoppers. Now, this is what God said about them. So this is a contradiction. What God said about them, what they said about themselves. Here's what God said about them. You saw how I took you uh, out of Egypt, bare you on eagle's wings, brought you to myself. If you obey my voice, keep my covenant. Now, listen to this. You'll be my own special treasure. He's saying, you're my own special treasure. They're saying, we grasshoppers. No, you're my own special treasure. I am the Lord. The whole earth is mine. And um, among all the nations of the earth, you are my own special treasure. We grasshoppers. Don't you want to grab them, slap them? You are my own special treasure. Listen to this. From among all the peoples of the earth, for all the earth is mine, belongs to me. And you shall be, uh, you shall be a kingdom of priests. You'll be a kingdom of priests. In other words, you'll be able, I'm going to give you access to me. You're going to have access to me. You're going to be able to talk to the creator of the universe. You personally are going to be able to talk to the creator of the universe. I'm going to give you access to me. Kingdom of priests. My holy nation. In other words, you're going to be set apart to do great things. This is the message you're to give to the children of Israel. Now, here's what God said. See, I see honor. I see dignity. I see value. I see glory being placed upon these people by God. Do you? You're going to be special. Among all the people of the earth, you're going to be special. My, in fact, other places he say, I, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands. You are ever before me. You are the apple of my eye. You are so special. I wound you together. I made you unique from every other person on the earth. And you're my creation. You are, you are loved by me. You are favored by me. You're all these things by me. That's what he said to them. And they go, what are we? Guathapa. No, we're a bug. How many can see what I'm saying? And so because they wouldn't accept God's identity... And they, they stuck with their, they create, created their own identity because of self-talk. They failed to do what God called them to do. How many can see that? See, what happens so often is if, you, if you're thinking wrong about yourself, and I'm, I'm not saying you should be self-absorbed, but, but have an assessment of yourself. If, you think, if you're thinking wrong about yourself, you're going to miss God. You're going to miss God. The only way you can, you, can, you can 
step into what God has for you is you've got to think right about yourself. How many see what I'm saying? So I see honor. I don't see slaves. I don't see bugs. I don't see grasshoppers. Anywhere in those statements that God made about them. But, but that's how they saw it. And how they saw themselves is how they acted. And see, how you see yourself is how you act. Ever watch somebody who who's has low self-esteem? You can see it on them. They, they just got, you know, they just, they just emanate this, I quit. You know, <laughs> I thought to myself, when, I, I shouldn't tell you this. Should I tell you this? <laughs> I always see it when somebody walks around baggy old uh, uh, workout shorts, or not shorts, but workout pants, and baggy old sweatshirt. I always I look at them, and I know that if you're working out at the gym, there's, you should wear that. But I always look at them, and I just think to myself, they just quit. <laughs> I give up. Right? And so, so here's my point. I'm going to try to bring this to a close. So how do we find out who we are? In eternity, in heaven, who will you be? You won't be Steve Cornamone. There's a heavenly, heavenly identity for you in heaven. And you need to accept that now that God values you, that God treasures you. See, what happens is a lot of times we base our, our value and who we are on how things that we've gone through in life and we re, kind of rehearse those things. That person did this, that person did that. We kind of rehearse it over and over again. Look, at my kids are crazy. I'm a horrible mother. <clears throat> my finances are, have gone south. I'm this, look at this. And we're looking at things, but remember Gideon, God doesn't wait for Gideon to go out there and kill a bunch of Midianites and then say, oh, you're a mighty man of valor. That's how we do it. We, we, if you go out and kill a few Midianites, we go, hmm, you're a mighty man of valor. But God goes, Gideon's grinding out wheat, hiding from the Midianites. And God goes, mighty man of valor. He starts with who you are. And when he says who you are, then you become who God determines who you are. Isn't that powerful? It doesn't wait. God doesn't wait. You know, I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, this is years ago. I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? As the worship team comes, I'm bringing this to a close. I'm on downwind for final. Airplane talk. <clears throat> I asked the Lord, what do you want me to do? Isn't that what people always ask? What, what do you want me to do, Lord? What do you want me to do? And the Lord said to me, don't ask me what, you, what I, you want me to do. Ask, who did you make me to be? If you can determine your identity, there's a whole lot of things that lines you up for you experiencing what God created you to do. How many know what I mean? You know, it's interesting. You know, Dave, all the, I, I just, it was hard to pick a story because there's so many stories in the Old Testament where when you look at people before God spoke to them, like David, for example. Okay, if you and I went out to the shepherd's field and said, looked at David, I go, what do you see? 
I see a kid got sheep poop in between his toes and he's a feisty little guy but seems like he won't let the sheep get killed seems diligent but would you say one of the greatest kings of Israel one of the greatest kings that Israel ever had would you say that no not even a chance in fact when when Samuel came to Jesse's house and said, I'm going to anoint one of your sons to be king. So they had all the sons pass in front. All the sons pass in front. And finally, is there any left? Well, there's one. I mean, you, you can see people have high expectations for this guy. Well, there's one. We didn't even call him, you know, when the prophet came. We didn't even call him. Uh, he, he's out... Um, He's out feeding the sheep, I mean, taking care of the sheep, um, but he can't be the one. Well, we're not going to eat till you call him. And so when he comes in, it says the Spirit of God spoke to Samuel and said, he's the one. I anointed him to be king over my people. Isn't that powerful? Here he is, a little guy running around, and he would have, if, if he never had an encounter with the word of the Lord or with the prophet, he would have never known who he was. That's why it's so important for us to be like in worship, to be in scripture, to, to be around prophetic ministry, because God has a identity for your life. And it's absolutely amazing. If you read Romans chapter 8, it's an amazing chapter. I would, I would advise you to read Romans 8. It says, nothing can separate us from the love of God. If God is for us, who can be against us? If we're, we're heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Talk about identity. Talk about value. Talk about worth. You can't get much higher. Amen? So let's all, all these saints of God that are righteous, holy, the apple of God's eyes. God's got your name written. God's got, listen, God's got your picture on his refrigerator. <clears throat> and every time he gets something, he looks at you and goes, that's my boy. That's my girl right there. I love her. She's awesome. I made her for great things. I made her for heavenly places. I made her to do conquest. I made her to do great things in the earth. I made her a powerhouse in the earth. That's my girl. And she's going, I'm a bug. We gotta change. We gotta accept God's perspective. Let's all stand up together. Hallelujah. Let's get a song we could sing. I gotta look this way now. <laughs> this is a house of worship. This is a place of praise.
our hands one time and thank God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your identity over our lives, what you think of us. We're so grateful, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, that you love us with an everlasting love. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just remember this all week. Remember this thought. God has your picture on his refrigerator. And not only that, but he has your picture in his wallet. You know, I got to send some money. Oh, there's Steve. Huh? He said, that's foolish. Well, that's probably minimal compared to what it really is like to God. God really thinks you're awesome. Not that you always do awesome things, but he thinks you're awesome. And he values you. And he's got great things for you. So let's, what do you, what do you say? Let's lose the bug deal, the bug mentality. And let's accept God's mentality. So if the uh, counselors, could, prayer counselors could please come. Sure. During worship today, I wrote this down. And it just is kind of a confirmation of some of the things that Pastor Steve has shared this morning. The lion of the tribe of Judah is about to roar in this place. There's coming, he's coming with great courage and great power. This church is a remnant church and it's about to roar with the power and with the miracles that you've been believing, believing for. Miracles are imminent in this place. God is about to show up like he's never shown up before. He's about to come into this place with power and with glory and with his his miracle working power, that resurrection power that we've been singing about. It's about to happen in this place. It's about to take place. It is imminent. Those things that you have been believing for, some of you for years, God says it's imminent. It's about to come forth. It's about to be birthed in this place. So get ready, church. Get ready. See who you are in Jesus Christ. See who you are. Have his identity. He has an identity identity for each and every one of us. He wants you to see you the way he sees you. And I believe that's what's happening here today. That identity, we have to see who we are in Jesus. And when we see who we are in Jesus, we're going to be powerful. God, there's a power. We haven't even tapped into what God has for us. But it's, it's here, guys. It's here, but 
but it's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take us saying, God, here I am, use me. It's going to take, God, I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you my future. I give you my present. I give you my past. He's coming to take over, guys. Are you ready? I hear him saying, are you ready? Are you ready, church, to give it all? It's time to let the lion of the tribe of Judah roar in this place. Amen. So I just want to pray. I want to pray. Jesus, if we're not ready, Jesus, get us ready. God, give us the grace. I thank you, God, for your grace to do what you called us to do. God, you said that greater days are ahead. And so, Father God, I thank you now for each and every one of us, God. We open our hearts and we say, come, Holy Spirit, fill us, fill us afresh and anew. Fill us with your fire. Let the fire of God burn in our bones. And we say, God, here I am, use me. Use me, God. Have your way, have your way, have your way, Lord, in each and every one of us. So we submit today. God, we submit today. We say, God, come and do what you want to do in us, God. Have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. And I believe that if you feel like you, if you want more prayer, if you want additional prayer, don't miss this opportunity. There's an anointing here today. There's an anointing here today to set people free. There's an anointing here today to put courage and power into your life. Don't miss what God's got for you. Come and receive that this morning. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, if you need prayer for anything, the prayer counselors, please come forward. Praise God. God's a good God. It's been good being in church today, so we're going to get ready now, right? So let's do one thing before we go, okay? Just to warm my heart. Let's roar like the line of the tribe of Judah. Ready? One, two, three. Pretty good. <laughs> so if somebody goes, what did you do in church today? We were roaring. Oh, I got to go to that church. Anyway, so if you, if you need prayer, please come forward. But other, we have some refreshments or stuff in the back there. God bless you all. It's been good to be in church today. You're free to go.